This is Alyssa Olenek of Littlest Fitness. And I'm Kate, otherwise known as Coach Carmichael. We are PhD students, endurance athletes who lift, outdoors enthusiasts, and entrepreneurs. We believe the narrative of the fitness and wellness industry is often far too extreme. So forget about the black and white messages that you've heard. On this podcast, we believe that life is best lived in the messy middle. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Messy Middle Podcast. By now, you're probably sick of us saying the word messy, but you're going to hear it a whole lot more today, so you just better get used to it. So, so far, we've given you a little snippet of what's to come and really laid out and defined for you what being and living in the messy middle is. But since it is Kate and I's podcast, we really want to talk about why and how we live in the messy middle ourselves. And so we both, as we talked about in that little preview episode, we live very differently, but still within those middle grounds. And so I think that as I alluded to in the snippet preview podcast is that even though we both live very differently, the messy middle still falls in that, but you might relate a little bit more to one of us and bits and pieces from each of us in recognizing that that's still living messy, that's still living in the middle, that's still living a non-polarizing life, which is the whole message of everything we're trying to get through today. So For this interview and this episode, Kate's going to interview moi. She's going to interview me about how I live in the messy middle. And we all know I throw that around on Instagram all the time, being messy, demanding better. Those are just like cheesy things that I tag along. But it really aligns with how I view life. And so Kate's going to help me explain to you guys how I've got to be this way, have this view on life, and just what that actually means to me personally um, beyond just the scope of my little snippets of Instagram captions that you guys read every single day, which I appreciate you for very greatly. So pass it off to Mike. uh, The mic off to Kate. I'm going to pass it off to Mike. I'm going to pass the mic Mm -hmm. off to Kate Mm -hmm. um, to have her get started, and we're going to talk about what it's like to live messy with Liz. Yes, how Alyssa lives in the messy middle, you guys. Um, okay, so I think your brand really defines that, right? Like we've seen this message from you. Nobody is shocked to learn that you like the messy middle, right? But I think behind every brand, especially when it's such a personal brand like yours, there's a personal story, right? So there's some connection that has led you to give this message to your audience. And I want to start at the beginning. So wherever you believe that is, I would love for you to share with us what black and white messages have shaped you and how that's led you to the messy middle life that you live now. Yeah. So we'll take it back to so to give you guys a snippet, we're recording this podcast on my birthday. So I'm going to make the joke that we're going to take it back to May 12, 1993, when I was born, right? Like 27 as a joke, years earlier. <laughs> I'm 27 years ago. I was ripped into the earth from my mother's stomach in an emergency C-section. And nothing has made sense since then. But honestly, though, like joking, like my whole life, I never – you guys were not going to be shocked to know this, but I've never been someone to just like – take the message or anything that we're being told to be or how we should be and just accepting that as is. I've always kind of had that like, okay or not attitude towards life. Like screw that, F the norm, F the standard. Like I've just – I was always that kid. So I grew up really, really, really girly and I wore dresses and I liked to dress up and and do those types of things. I was never against that, but I was never one to like conform to like these hyper feminine messages. And so like, while I like those things and I embrace that, I also kind of like, as I got older, um, I got into more sports and athletics and I just always had a more aggressive personality and I wasn't as like that sit quiet, 
be nice, be polite type thing. So I was always kind of tugging back and forth between like when my really young early years on like being nice to everyone and being friendly, but also being independent and being bold while trying to be feminine, but also having this aggressively masculine underlying personality. So I think a lot of this was just shaped when I was younger where I was like, I was one way, but I was being told to be another way. But the way I like to be wasn't in these like polarizing extremes. I was just trying to be myself and I was just a kid. You know, you don't know any better. And so we all know, Kate can explain the psych to us later on down the road, but like a lot of your younger years of your life shape the way you view life. And I'm very fortunate to have parents who were never very you know, for the most part, very extreme in the way they raised us, approached, they let us be free thinking. I wasn't really like taught to view things certain ways. My mom did a really good job in not talking about polarizing messages around her body or diet. My dad worked out a lot and he just made that really normal for me. So growing up, I didn't have any of these extreme views on anything. And so as I got into my teen years and started to figure out who I, who I was and I got really into sports, it's funny because like I was the girl who would wear heels and makeup and dress up for school every day. And then I would go to lacrosse practice and tell a girl to F off on the field. And like, was this like and I would just work out and train. It was sweaty and like wouldn't wash my hair for five days in a row and just like love to be outside. And it just – it didn't dawn on me that that was weird. Like I guess like I just didn't think anything of it when I was growing up. Like that was just – that was who I am. Um, I always like had like a lot of really good guy friends. But at the time I also had a lot of really good female friends in, call, in high school growing up. So it just like – it felt very normal to me at the time. And then like the older you get, the more aware you become of – different messages that you're being fed or told or sold. And so I like I started to, as I got into older high school, learn more about health and fitness. And that's the first time I ever remember thinking about food as clean or dirty or good or bad. And I was really into athletics. And so I kind of fell into that trap of like, carbs are bad. And like I was under eating and I wasn't doing it intentionally, but I was just like so scared to not anything that was like super clean and super healthy. So like I remember like that was the first time that like really like those like very pure, non-aware mess, like view and approach to life start to become a little more polarized and like what I was doing. And so when it comes to like health and fitness, um, I was always more is better and of exercise, but like less is better of this and that with food. And I remember the first time those messages started to like penetrate my my purity, I guess you could say, around those things. Um, and probably definitely a lot, or, lot of later onset than like a lot of girls and females. But I wasn't interested in it from like a lot of the teen girls' perspective. Like I wanted to be better at sports. Lacrosse was my life. Like that was all I had. And so that's all I knew. And I, and I loved it. And I just like love working out in fitness. And I just want to do the best athlete I could. So I started to just like absorb all those messages for everything they were. And then all this stuff, of course, carried me into college. And that's when I started to get really into to science and school and academia. And I remember like I would study super hard all the time. And like I was told like you're supposed to like go to college and only party or only, you know, study and be a nerd. But like I played sports my first few years and I had friends. So I just always remember finding myself in this like living in this messy middle, which felt really isolating and lonely because people are either one extreme of living or one like the other extreme, which is totally fine. But I was like, okay, like where are people who believe in having this like harmony and the way that you live and like not being as polarizing or like the fact that I like to study wasn't bad because everyone else wanted to drink. Like I could still do those things. So I just remember still like being like so pulled to one way or the other. And it wasn't really in kind of until I started to get into, um, I graduated college. I started to get some more mental independence on like the way I view and live life. I really wanted to like seek out 
and figure out who I was and what I wanted and how I felt about things. And like, I moved to Kentucky and I started my master's. And like, that's when I started to learn a ton more about fitness and health and exercise. And the more you learn about the science around and physiology around health and nutrition and exercise, the more confusing it gets. And the more you realize that everything you've ever been told or sold is not the way it is. Like every media message that you're being told is just absolute bullshit. And so I kind of, I finished my undergrad degree. I had done some internships. Like I was really into fitness and I was just slowly learning more and more about, okay, well, this is all a bunch of shit. And so by the time I got to my master's, I was confident enough that I was able to start like detecting this stuff a little better. And I knew a little bit more. And that's when I started my Instagram was actually the first semester of my master's. And I was like, I want to help people figure out how to navigate this in a way that's actually realistic and evidence-based and share what I was doing. But also like I was just so fed up with the one message that everyone was being sold. And so what happened is when I quit lacrosse in college, I was kind of thrown into like the fitness influences of everything else. And when I was an athlete, that's all I knew. But I remember coming out of that time and being like, holy shit, these are the messages women have been consuming? Like this is a dumpster fire. And so I was like blind, had my blinders up to that for so long. And so as I went through my master's and I kept learning more and I knew I wanted to pursue deeper into this field, I just like started to become way more critical of everything I thought. And like my own ways I approached fitness went through different seasons and I did all these different things and I got really extreme. Then I was like, I don't really like being that extreme. And so it was just like that trial and error of self-growth that hopefully you guys, if you are in your early 20s or going through, but if you're, you've been there, hopefully you know what I'm talking about. And just realizing that like everything I've been told as a woman and an athlete and a fitness industry professional was just a big bunch of shit. And I was like, people honestly deserve better than this because there's so much more rich like awesomeness in the middle of what's between these two extremes. And that's all people have. And they're frustrated and confused. And I loved exercising and I love science. and I love being someone who had multiple passions and fitness. And that's so frowned upon in everything that you do. And I just, I didn't want to settle where you were only one thing and you only were one way. And that's all you get to do. And I was like, this is bullshit. I'm not I'm not here for this at all. And that brings me here today where I'm in my PhD and I study a lot of different subjects and I have like a multi-passionate research interest and I have a business and I, I do multiple sports and I'm also like in school and I'm just, I refuse to settle for the single um, track narrative that we've been sold our whole lives of how we should do anything. And that's pretty much like the, the full story of how I came here today was just a lifelong confusion and frustration. And then basically just saying F it and telling everyone else to say F it to it too. And that's why you're listening to this podcast today is like, I just was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Are people not aware of this? And you guys may, you may not have been until you found my page or my circle and my friends. And so that's really like what it came to was just that snowballing over years and years and years and me being like one big WTF and eventually just like exploding. And now I'm yelling into a microphone in your ears right now. So that's like the, the very, I think the most short backstory to like how I got to here and what I'm doing. So yeah. Honestly, that was succinct for you. I am I love it. <laughs> I'm so proud of myself. My whole life in 10 minutes. Who would have thought? I honestly, you guys are getting like the most compact, perfect message from her right now. So thank you for sharing. I think a lot of people can relate, especially women. And we're never excluding men, but you know, we are women, so we do bring that experience to the forefront. And I think I will just go out and say that you are both more masculine and more feminine than I am. So I think you are <laughs> crushing the messy middle in that. Um, <laughs> it's a weird place to be. It's it's wonderful. I admire you for it. 
So I think what would be really interesting is if we dive a little bit deeper into the extremes, because you said you had like a period, like a trial error um, of self-growth where you lived in a little bit more of black and white, a little bit more of extremes. So how can people relate to that? Like what kind of extremes did you live in? Uh, Give us a little more insight there. Yeah. So I don't talk about this a whole lot on my page just because it was so long ago for me and it just feels very irrelevant, even though I know a lot of people go through that. But definitely like late high school, early college, I went through a lot of like carbs are bad, like extreme diets, like start over on Monday. Like I had in college, I jokingly had this thing I called the no-no shelf where I like would put all my like candy and things that I really liked on that, like on the third top shelf in my apartment. And I only like ate certain things here and there. And I was just like really strict. I did a thing of paleo for a while. I'd like start over on Mondays. And it wasn't even really that I was like had an unhealthy relationship with food. At that point in time, it was a lot of like being really worried that it was going to impact performance and health. And I just was like such a young eager learner when it came to health and fitness that when people taught me things or I read about things or I learned things, I just like took it all in. So I remember like reading about fasting and then paleo and like how do I combine these things? And it like became, I don't want to, it wasn't necessarily orthorexic because I wasn't like under eating or restricting myself. I mean, at one point when I was paleo, I was eating so much trauma because I gained weight. Like it, it wasn't like a, like a, like a restriction type thing. It was just like, I really cared and was worried about like health. And so I was like a little crazy about things. And I remember like getting my mom to buy me like really crazy extreme, like food and groceries. And I just wanted to be healthy and fit, but I just was like, so confused by what I've been told by different health professionals or social media was starting to kind of become a thing at that point in time that I just like soaked it all up when I was like really early in college and I didn't have enough education yet to really know better. And then um, at this point in time, I'm still playing lacrosse. So I'm like still playing sports. So my programming and training is done for me. So I'm training a lot. I'm exercising a lot, but that was like a normal thing for me. And so the really the turn of events probably happened like when I quit lacrosse because essentially two things happened. I needed to find another outlet for expressing myself through physical activity because I needed that. I'm just – if you guys haven't figured it out yet, like I just have been moving since day one. I like to move. And two, this is very honest and raw, my parents stopped paying for all my groceries because I started working in college, right? So like they still helped me a little bit here and there. But when I was an athlete, I had a meal plan my first year. And then my second year, my parents, because I was a full-time athlete, they were like, okay, well, we'll like pay for your groceries to feed you because there's no possible way for me to work a job. And so then after that point in time, I still ate pretty healthy and like my parents were helping me and things like that. But I started to like realize I'm like, oh shit, this stuff is really expensive. I can't afford this. This is stupid. And like that was like my first kind of exposure to like how a lot of the health messages were sent around food or very like made for rich people kind of thing. Um, Like really no consideration for socioeconomic stuff at all. But like just in general, like most normal people aren't wanting to or willing to or capable of dishing out like all this crazy money for stupid things. Like I remember one time I made my mom t- drive me to a Whole Foods 40 minute, five minutes away to buy a thing of a case of kombucha because I was like, conv- like I was convinced by like my chiropractor that this was like the best thing I could ever consume. And so like it just, I did that stupid shit. Like I do the things that I like debunk now because like we all fall victim to it. There's no shame in doing that. Um, but that was like my first eye opening where I was like, oh wait, like, well, how do I be healthy in a way that doesn't involve being ridiculous. Right. And so I just kind of like learned and grew from there. And I started, that was probably when I finally, I still always ate really healthy. Um, I never tracked my food or anything at that point in time, but I just kind of figured out ways to make it more normalized in my daily life. And I remember the 
my junior year of college, it was Super Bowl Sunday. And this was when I used to eat like so, so super strictly healthy all the time that I spent that night. I like, I didn't like binge eat, but I ate a lot more like what I would, like I would normally eat. Um, but it was a lot of like the foods that you eat that are really rich and creamy and sugary. And I was in just agonizing pain after because I had never, ever consumed a lot of dairy or grain. And for those of you who don't like, you know this, like if you don't consume a lot of those things in your diet frequently, then you're just, you're not used to digesting them. So like your body down doesn't really regulates enzyme production because it's not consuming on the regular. So I just remember at that point in time being like, this isn't worth it. Like me keeping these out of what I eat all the time isn't worth me not being able to enjoy them when I want them. So I don't want to say just like, I want to say like I start to like microdose normal foods into my life. So I went from like not eating anything quote unquote bad. Like I did a sugar cleanse. Like I know I didn't drink anything but coffee and like no sugar grains for like, like I, I try to do 21 days. So I made it like a week. Like I did that stupid shit. But that was like the first time in time I was like, Alyssa, this is not a way to live your life. Like this is not a way um, to eat, to feed yourself. This is miserable. Like it's just so much effort. And so I was like, you got to find another way. And so like I'm in college and my friends eat really, really like like cliche college athletes. Like I'm still friends with the lacrosse girls and they smash pizza and like all these shitty foods that people would deem as bad. But like I started to learn like that last year and a half or so of college of like, I still, I've always eaten really like well around. Um, but that, at that point I'm later in college, I'm taking my more advanced nutrition classes and exercise classes. Like I'm learning more, I'm training on my own. Like I'm not an athlete anymore. I'm finding my way through fitness. I get really into strength. And so like, I finally kind of like, that's where like that nutrition thing started to like really start to sell out for me. Like towards the end of my college, when I lived at home, I went back home and then into my master's, I just kind of like reached this breaking point where I was like, went from super strict to like, I need to be a normal person where I kind of polar opposite flip-flopped is so like after I quit lacrosse in college, I got really into powerlifting and strength training. And so with my fitness, I went from like this, like more multimodal athlete to like super, super strong strength up and through like the first year of my master's. And so I like just went all in, like I just strength trained. I didn't run. I didn't do any cross training, any functional training. Like that was it. I just lifted. And I don't regret that period of time in my life at all. Cause I won building a phenomenal base of strength and hypertrophy on my body. And like that does so much for your health and just your baseline fitness moving forward. But I kind of pendulum from like the extreme nutrition stuff to like extreme fitness and strength, which I don't, I want to put this out there. There's nothing wrong with that. If you want to just Olympic lift or power lift or whatever it is, you're like, that's totally fine. But what I found for me is I got to that peak of my powerlifting and I was super strong. Like I'm deadlifting 400 pounds. I'm squatting over 300 pounds. Like I'm benching my body weight for like reps like it's nothing and I just I was miserable and at that point in time I was almost like my nutrition took another extreme like I was eating like shit I was living in my master's I was living off like the food in the food court eating out with friends like I just I gained a bunch of weight I felt just horrible I was just I gained more weight than my body usually probably comfortably wants to hold on its own I was only strength training I was doing no cardiovascular training like I'm um, just one dense little muscle hamster of myself. I can't even run two miles. And I'm just like, no. Like I had that same appearance where I was like, no. I was like, I do not give two shits if I can pick up a house. I feel awful. I am not happy. I am miserable. And like that was when I was still brainwashed by the extreme of you can only lift, you can only run. You can only do this, you can only do that. Like running kills gains. You can't do all these things. And I was just like, I was done with it. I was like, I don't I don't want to be strong if it means that I feel like ass and I can't do all the things that I love because I was an athlete for my whole life. And so I wanted to be able to move my body. Um, and so I just took a big 
180 in that. And then I had worked in a, in like a, basically a CrossFit lab. Um, that's where my office was in my master's. And so I started doing, I still was strength training. I still was super strong, but I started doing more like Metcon wad type things. I started running again. I was like, and like, I was, I was running like nine miles at a time and then like started to do all this conditioning and I was doing more barbell work and I was like leaning out, um, and, and like a healthy, sustainable way. My nutrition was back to being like a lot more healthy, even though I was eating on campus, I was just being more mindful about like the choices I was making. And I felt amazing. And so that like curving out that first year of my master's is probably where like that huge turning point took for me where like finally after all those years, I had gone to a place where I was like, okay, like I feel good moving in more ways than one. And my body feels great when I feed it well, but also let it eat like enjoy, live, like be a normal human. And so like, I want to really emphasize this with people that like getting to this messy middle point, that was like a freshman year of college to like first year of my master's journey. Like that was like a five-year thing. And many of you are still in that first year or two of your fitness. And I'm not saying it needs to take you five years. That's what we're here to do to help you get through that a little more quickly. But for me, without the like a major influence of like social media or coaches and helping, like that really wasn't a thing yet. Like I just had to work through that shit myself and just recognize that that wasn't a way that I was willing to live and I wasn't willing to compromise to have that and it just wasn't worth it to me. Okay. Yes to everything you just said. <laughs> I I think that every person probably – maybe I'm being a little overzealous. <laughs> every Everyone listening to this podcast can relate on some level, especially with the – I think the nutritional extremes. That's where like I really key in uh, personally. Like – Feeling like foods need to be categorized as good or bad or I think we've all struggled with that in some way, shape or form and maybe some of our listeners still do and I think it's really valuable to hear you say that I, Alyssa Olenek, have been <laughs> through that shit, right? And yeah. that I came out on the other side and it took me, you know, so many years but it doesn't have to take you that long and that it's achievable for everyone to find that middle ground of nutrition where it's not all good, bad, and it can be foods that you enjoy, but it doesn't have to consume your life in terms of, uh, you know, counting calories or macros or whatever it is that might not be healthy for you, um, but that can be healthy for other people. So I think that finding your messy middle in terms of nutrition can be a personalized journey, but if fucking littlest fitness can do it like you definitely can and you have the value and experience of other people who've been through it to help guide you there hopefully and so um i love that message and when it comes to you know your messy middle with lifting and running <laughs> i you know, i'm just gonna go out and say that that's probably the most in your face example of how you live in the messy middle it's true <laughs> everybody knows you for hybrid right like you're balancing strength and endurance training um was there like a specific point when it became a centralized identity for you or was it kind of along the journey that you found that like when did you realize that you are somebody who does both so um, I grew up running for those of you like who aren't familiar with my backstory. I like essentially running was what first got me into fitness. I started playing lacrosse in eighth grade and I was really excited to find a sport because like I felt like at that point like you're 13 years old and you feel like your whole life is like done and you're like well everyone has a sport but me. It's the end of my life but like lacrosse was brand new in eighth grade and I was like 
yes, like I wanted, I wanted to just so badly be an athlete. Like I want, I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And I cheered and stuff, but it just wasn't as fulfilling for me. Um, cause you weren't allowed to do like a lot of the like building and tumbling that I liked the, the athletic component of cheerleading. Um, and so like, it was nice and it was fine, but it just wasn't for me. So when lacrosse came around, I was like, yes. Like I tried track. I hated it, which is funny looking back, but I like hated running. So I like pole vaulted my seventh grade year in track cause I didn't want to run, um, looking back, which is really funny to, to, to share that. But I was like, yes. And so I started running the summer after my first season of lacrosse cause I wanted to go and be and play in the high school team. And so that's where I really first fell in love with fitness was just like, wow, this is amazing. Our bodies can do this. This is fucking rad. Like I want to tell the world about this. Like that's my pivot moment in my life. Where I was like, I need to just tell, I need to dedicate my life to sharing this with everyone. So I played lacrosse. I ran cross country. I did a season of indoor track. And when I was in high school, um, and then somewhere in that, we essentially, as a lacrosse team, had a one of the gym teachers show us how to lift to get better at sports. And if you guys hadn't noticed, everything I did growing up was like, how do I be better at sports? And so none of the other girls on my team give a shit. I like just was all in. I wanted to be the best I could be. So I started lifting after school in the gym at like 15, 16. I think it was like my junior year maybe um, that I started doing this every day after school in high school. And I just, I was like 15 years old and I went to the gym after school, I couldn't even do like a box squat without falling over. Like I had no fundamental strength, which is funny, people knowing me now. Um, but it was this crazy British gym teacher and he like taught me how to do squats and just like lift and all these things. So I just started lifting. Um, and it wasn't extreme. And I carried that through. Like I went in college, I played lacrosse, I was running a lot and I was strength training for lacrosse. And just, it always made sense to me to have like a bunch, but I never thought of it as hybrid. I just thought of it as being an athlete. When you're an athlete, you you condition and you strength. Like you, that, there's an entire field called strength and conditioning. But somewhere along the way, we in the fitness industry, we only have strength or we only have conditioning. Like there's literally apparently nothing else. And there's the and is totally gone. And so when I left um, lacrosse, I first thing I ever did was going to a CrossFit gym. So I probably had like, and I was still running and training and exercising. And so like, I didn't get really extreme into it until I kind of like went back to college my junior year. And I got really into strength. Like, and I was lifting and I was probably doing a lot of like what I do now where I was like doing like half-ass crossfit things, lifting, running, didn't really know. Um, I always kind of did those things, but I never thought of them as not existing together until I got really into strength. And I like started to get strong really rapidly, probably in my beginning of my senior year of college, like about a year through of like really being serious with it um, after, of course, years of lifting. And then I didn't think anything of it until I got really into powerlifting. And I was like, okay, like this is lifting culture. I had no idea like that this was so different, extreme. And then the fitness industry on Instagram started to boom. And I was like, kind of really hardcore, like, oh, I'm a bro lifter. Let's go. Cardio is hardio. Like just didn't do any cross training. And so I never really thought anything of it until I stopped powerlifting and wanted to start my business. And at that point in time, it's the beginning of my um, PhD. It's the middle of my first semester of my PhD. I'm training for my first ultra marathon and I'm trying to start a business as a strength coach, like, like a fitness strength lifting coach online. And I just remember being so crippled with fear where I was like, who the hell is going to trust someone training for an ultra marathon to write them a fitness program? Because that's not the message that people want. People want to see you lifting and being beefy and showing that you have like this sick bod and being awesome. But that wasn't me. I had this turning point between my powerlifting days when I first started cross, like picking up cross training again, and I started to get really into outdoor stuff and just, I wanted to, I loved those things so much. And I just, that was staying true to myself. But I remember being so scared. I'm like, 
my business is going to be a flop. No one's going to listen to me. No one's going to, no one's going to trust me to give them strength and conditioning because people are so, they're going to be so confused by seeing me training for ultra marathons. But then I'm like, Hey, let me write you a lifting program. And so that was the first time, like, I kind of knew that was a thing, especially going through the powerlifting community. But like, that was the first time I was like, fuck, people aren't going to buy into this. People aren't going to, they're not going to want to listen to me. And I was really, really nervous about that. And that's kind of where I found my niche and like what I do now, which is so interesting because all it did was actually bring a lot of women to me who were like, hey, wait, can you help me do that too? No one else is showing me that you can do that. Hold up. Wait, you deadlifted 300 pounds, but ran 35 miles like in the same month. Like you can do that. That That's a thing. Like, wait a second. And so I just started getting all these women that came to me and they were interested. They were like, Hey, wait, I want to do that too. So at this point, like I had, I was running my first ultra marathon, but I had been trail running now for a year and a half. Like I had done a 25K and like a bunch of objective of like fun vacation racing and a half marathon the year before and like had been doing, had been running again for a few years. Um, started trail running for about two years. And like I was a year and a half into trail and ultra stuff. And so then I'm training for my second ultra marathon. And it was just like me being me. But show, but like I still lifted. I started my business. Like I'm still training. I'm in the gym. But then on the weekends, I'm in the mountains. And I didn't. I realized in that moment that these polarizing things in the fitness industry, no one at any point in time was like, um, "Hello, you can do both." Like I said, like when it comes to true athletes, runners in college, like college teams, they're lifting in the off season, like. It doesn't matter what sport you're doing. Like elite cyclists are doing some sort of cross training. Like people who do upper extreme like sports in endurance are cross training. And like even people who are do extreme strength stuff, like they do some sort of conditioning, but no one's really showing that to the gen pop. And the gen pop is out here and they're so confused because they don't know what to do with their fitness. And like most of them can be benefiting from a little bit of both. And I just like all of a sudden I was like, holy shit, there's this glaring gap. Like I'm nervous about what people are going to think, but actually I'm feeling a void just by showing that you can do things that are not on the extremes and that you can have a little bit of both. And if anything, you can crush it doing both or they're both going to make them better for each other. So I kind of was always aware of it, but it wasn't until I decided to launch my business where I became really insecure about it. I was like, oh my God, I'm like a, I'm like the black sheep of the fitness industry. Like everyone's going to lay into me. And I didn't really fully understand the muscle physiology yet of like how um, – you can work around interference and like how polarized training works. Like I, I just have my basic exercise physiology. Like I've learned so much since then. Um, so I like was like, oh my God, I'm going to get lambasted about the interference effect. People are going to think like I'm a fraud. They're going to call me out on my bullshit. But the more I read into it and experimented with myself and did it with clients, I was like, no, this is like a real, this is a real thing. And real women, especially like the people I work with, but and men can a hundred percent be doing this too and not no one has showed them that they can be doing this. And I was like, this isn't like a bad thing. This is, this is amazing. So it's kind of how I came to that, that extreme. So, and then that just blew up from there. That just completely exploded with yes. me and my brand. Yeah. I think so many people can relate to that journey of the really kind of understanding the messy middle in childhood kind of refuting that in adolescence, hearing these opposing messages, and then finding your way back to it in your young adulthood. Like, I think that's, I mean, I'm getting psych with you here already. Yeah. But <laughs> I think, you know, as children, we know, right? We, we have no doubts that we are loved, worthy, capable of doing anything, mm -hmm. which includes, you know, doing both in the messy middle. But then 
as we become adolescents and we start hearing the messages of adults, it seems very black and white to us. And it seems like there's no solution um, of the anything dream anymore. Like it's, it's very black and white. It's very polarizing. It's this or that, and there's no other space to exist. And we believe that for, for honestly, it could be a while until we reconnect with that belief that we knew as children that we can do anything. We can be both, that there's not one way to be and that whatever serves us the best um, in our personal lives can look different from other people and can, you know, be messy and be in the middle and doesn't have to be, you know, like you said, strength or endurance, you know, it's can be both. And I think when you talk about your message of demanding better, you know, that that really sinks in for people in terms of the realm of the messy middle. Why is it so important to demand better? And why is that so important to share with your audience? Yeah. So if you guys aren't aware, Demand Better is this, the, the simple slogan of my business, of my brand, like what I want for the women that I work with, the people in general. And so what that actually means to me when it comes to the messy middle is that you're being told your entire life, you only get to be one way, one thing, that's it. Stay in your lane, do it all. That's it. Like sit still, be pretty, keep to yourself, like pick one thing, that's all you get. And it's, I just think it's a big bunch of bullshit, which you'll hear me say all the time. And demanding better is like demanding better for yourself and saying, F that message, screw that, forget that. Like, and bringing back in the power to remind yourself that you have a say in one, how you live your life, but two, you have a say in how you move your body. There's some fundamental principles of health and like physiology and like what we know about the human body that like, I will say like, Hey, these minimum standards, you should try to tick these boxes of, but then like everything else, especially when it comes to like how you feed yourself, how you move yourself, how you live your career, how you are as a woman, how you are as a man, like all these things that like we're told these really just like narrow, tiny boxes we're trying to fit like our large complex selves in and demanding better is saying, no, I want more for myself. I want more for my life. I want more for my fitness and giving yourself back the power of knowing that you are, you are in control. Like you have a say and no one else gets to tell you how to do these things just because you've been, you know, like Kate said, like your whole life you're told and you don't know that these other options are out there. And so it's about saying that if those options aren't there, creating them yourself or, like knocking down those barriers of where the self-imposed limitations you've given yourself from these messages all the years to break free of that and saying like, no, I deserve more than this. I am better than, than this message. Like I can do more than what I've told myself that I can do and be. And just kind of this like Kool-Aid manning through the wall, like of your life and just saying like, no, like this is like, I deserve better and demanding it from people, like demanding respect from people, demanding better information from people, demanding like better from other people, but mostly from and for yourself. Yes. And this is a principle that you not only apply to your business, but I've seen it in the way that you approach academia, which is important to note because, hi, you're not just a entrepreneur. You're getting a fucking PhD. <laughs> you are getting your PhD in the middle of this. I mean, if that's not the definition of messy middle, I don't know what is because I think we should probably start with there is a little bit of a disconnect between industry and academia, especially when it comes to the fitness and wellness industries. So um, I'd love for you to touch maybe in the middle here to start of where the contrast is between 
the business and academic side of things and where that bridge, um, you know, should be built. So for those of you who are listening to this, you're probably way more familiar with the industry side of it. You're seeing on fitness and Instagram, social media, Facebook, whatever it is, you're consuming the industry side of it. And what you don't see is the conventional old white dude in a lab coat hiding in a lab doing all the science. And so like there's a ton of amazing, intelligent, awesome scientists and they're doing like really amazing work when it comes to exercise and nutrition and sport and fitness. And to be honest, we need those people. We need those people that are going to be a little more extreme and that's the only thing they care about and they focus on and they care and they like care towards doing for their work. But the problem is that you have the bro certified personal trainers on in the gyms or on social media or in your face or your friends. And then you have these really brilliant, amazing scientists that are making all these amazing, awesome discoveries on how we should move our bodies most optimally or how they work or whatever it is. And there's no one having that conversation with you of like, hey, there's actually like a bridge here. There's an, there's, there's like the bridge to Terabithia, which is the joy of fitness. Like that is based in science and evidence. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm like here, like, I'm like, let me show you the yellow brick road because I believe deeply and I love science and research. And, um, there's this like big contrast in academia where like, you're an academic, you like sell your soul to academia, you live your life in it, you work in it all the time. Um, and you don't leave it like you don't do anything else. That's all you do. But then it's just a bunch of smart people talking at a bunch of smart people. And my interest in my field has always been, even if I choose to pursue a career in academia and teach and do research, like I want to bring the knowledge that I've created, hopefully here soon, I'm creating knowledge. <laughs> um, but like have learned and have gathered from these really smart people, but then taking it to other people because our work means nothing if it doesn't improve the health and well-being of others. Like it does not matter if you discover the cure to metabolic disease, if you can't figure out the way. And we know like we know as science and researchers, like a lot of ways to fix these things. Um, but there's no one talking about it. And the biggest issue is that the problem is like the people in the industry, unless they're the few and far between that come from a place of understanding science and research and academia, aren't the best communicators of these things. They're not trained in science and research and how to properly distill these things. Um, so they're just talking out of their butt, but they're really good at communicating to people. So people listen to them. And then you have the other hand, these really, really smart people who do not know how to explain anything that they're doing to you. And so once again, I was like, hey, guys, hey. Hey, like we need we need someone in the middle of this doing this. So where I might lack as being this brilliant, amazing scientist, because there's definitely places where I'm not as good as maybe like my boyfriend Regis, who's like just super brilliant and really good at what he does with research. Um, but where I'm better at than when it comes to like your commercial gym bro is that I understand this really, really, really hard stuff that people like or have a hard time like understanding or explaining. But then also I can have a conversation with a human that's never under, never taken anatomy and physiology before. And I'd be like, hey, this is how your body works. And there's not enough people doing that and having that conversation. So I'm very fortunate that um, my advisor is someone who's also in the industry and supports that. I know a lot of grad students don't have that support, but it was never something that was like held back for me from the beginning. Um, really understanding. I mean, I did my first research study using templates and Renaissance periodization. Like I've met their CEO. Like I've, like, I've just all, I've kind of had this connection with the industry since the beginning. And I've been very adamant in the fact that like, I want to bridge these two things together because I don't think that if we genuinely care about people's health and well-being, and that's why we're in our fields, we need to be talking to the general public. Like that's the people that are benefiting from what we do. And if they can't access this or understand it, then we are, we aren't doing our jobs and someone needs to be doing that. So. 
Yes. Um, amen from a, one scientist <laughs> to another. Like, I, I think that is what drew me to you and our friendship um, is because you were communicating science in a way that was understood by anybody. And that's so important because our work is worthless if it can't be applied. Like science without application is meaningless in my opinion. And so what I love about you and your brand is that you are here for that. Like you're here to deliver that message and you really are straddling the line between research and like the general fitness industry. And that's so important for communicating science and and giving the messages to our audience that can actually benefit from it, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> in terms of academia, I know there's probably only a few people who are really here for the nitty gritty of the science world. <laughs> but for those of you who are, there's a messy middle even within the academic space, right? So I know that you are not only just a physiology research, but you're interested in metabolism. And so it crosses the lines with nutrition and exercise, and there's a bunch of other things that can act there. So yes. <laughs> how does the messy middle even serve you in the academic space? So to give you guys a little preference on this, when you go to graduate school, you essentially, you're, especially you in a PhD, you're being formally trained on a really small area. So essentially by the time I graduate with my PhD in a year and a half, two years, whatever the heck that is, I'm going to be essentially considered an expert on a really tiny, tiny, tiny nugget of my field. And my job is to create new information in that nugget of my field. And so I'm really broadly read. I'm really interested in a wide variety of topics. So like when I came to graduate school, like I wasn't just interested in one thing. And so I had done metabolism in my master's, which I did in an exercise department. So I didn't even do an exercise study for my master's thesis, but I brought back yeah, fun fact. I didn't fun even do an fact. exercise study. Mm -hmm. And so I'm getting my PhD in an exercise physiology department, but metabolism is extremely rooted in nutrition science and diet. And so I take a lot of electives and I've always taken a lot of classes in nutrition sciences on top of muscle physiology, exercise physiology, like human physiology, like all that kind of stuff. And so I was in this awkward straddle of these two niches. And I essentially came to my advisor and I was like, hey, I want to bring this into our lab. Like, I want to bring this technique into our lab. I want to do this work. I really care about metabolism. And so even beyond that, I really cared about female metabolism. So I wanted, I have actually only done research studies on women. Like that's, I've only done research studies on women and which is, for those of you guys who don't know, women are incredibly underrepresented in a lot of science, but especially physiology, but especially metabolism-based physiology because of our menstrual cycles are really hard to control for. And like I came in, I was like, no, screw this. We're doing it. Like I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to make the protocol. And my advisor is really supportive and he's like, figure out, tell me what you want to do and we're going to do it. Like, okay. Like I'm also really bullheaded and stubborn, um, but I'm like striding this line between nutrition and exercise. And I brought exercise into my last study that I just finished up and then it will be my dissertation because I wanted to look at the integration of metabolism, but also in regards to exercise, fitness, training, status, sex. And then I'm also really interested in muscle physiology and mitochondrial health and how that pertains to all of these things. So I'm like straddling these lines between nutritional sciences and exercise science. And then I'm like, doing men, men and women comparison, like gender difference in studies. But then I'm like, not only interested in metabolism at a whole body level, I'm like, okay, well, what's going on a little bit behind the scenes, like fitness status and muscle health and mitochondria, things that drive and improve or alter metabolism. How do these things play a role into it? So I just didn't want to go in and just pick, of course, I couldn't pick the most simple, basic niche focused 
um, exercise topics. Like I had to study for my big comprehensive exams and I had to draw this big Venn diagram for my PI of like where my research and studying um, and reading needed to be for that. And it really all comes down to this concept known as metabolic flexibility, but I'm interested in the integration of all these systems and things that go into it. So I'm like in this messy middle of this, but I'm using all these little areas to create my own little nugget of stuff. So I'm not just interested in like, you know, enough, which there's nothing wrong with that, but like another diet study. Like I'm interested in how exercise and diet and all these factors all play together in one. So yes, my work, even in grad school is when I say messy, I mean like, why do I create so much reading for myself? (laughs) Yes. Okay. Obviously I relate to that because we're kind of in the same area of just in general representing women in science. And I'm talking about in subjects uh, as participants, right? I, I mean, I think highlighting that is really important because women are so understudied in science in general. And I mean, it, in my field, I can give you a figure because I know this, that the literature that has looked at sleep and athletic performance is 94% men. So, you know, and I'm sure it's really similar for Alyssa, that the messy middle right now in science is studying women. And it's, you know, it seems like that would be another side of, you know, the black and white spectrum of polarizing, you know, studying one sex. But really, if you look at the history of things, introducing women into science is a messy middle situation right now. And accounting for all of those things, like Alyssa said, I mean, menstrual cycles and all, women are complicated. Women are the messy middle, like shit, you know, like, there's no black and white in being a woman, and we all know that. There's no black and white in being a woman. Um, yeah, and not to exclude any men who are listening. I mean, we value you so much, but I think really we struggle with seeing that a lot of the industry messages are targeted for women with less academic science to back up those claims. So it's bingo. It's a double fucking whammy. Like, yeah. I mean, it yeah. really is coming at women, especially in those messages that are targeted. So, And I think that's a great spinoff to like people ask me why I focus so much on women with my messages. And it's because one, that's the people who have drawn to my brand from a business standpoint. It's logical. But two, from like a research scientist, like I'm a woman, I'm a woman in science, I'm a woman studying women in science. So I am not an expert yet. I'm trying to be, but I read a lot of this stuff. So I'm making sure that the the messages that the women that I train and coach and or I'm speaking to or receiving are based on them and for them. So it's not just, hey, like, well, this is how dudes work. So it works the same for you. Like just just do what your husband does, do what your brother does. And like, and 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 it just in some things, yeah, there are some similarities. You know, we're we're different genders um we're not different species right so there's there is some similarities but with women especially when it comes to those things i'm like hey guys what about this and i think this ties into like building on what you're saying before is that you guys pick up on the trend when we talk about the messy middle a lot of it is just pointing your finger and calling bullshit on things that don't exist or haven't been challenged or haven't been questioned or haven't been explored and saying like, why are we doing that? Or why aren't we doing more of that? Or why is it only those things? Or, Hey, what about, what about this? Like, this is, this is a gap. Like, why aren't we filling this? So a lot of that comes to back to that, like calling bullshit, demanding better type mindset that, I mean, when I proposed my dissertation idea to my advisor, he goes, you know, if you do this, like you'll officially be the female phys researcher. And I researcher. And I said, yeah, well, I'm never going to do a male only study. 
And I was okay. I was like, I'm never going to include women in my studies. Like that goes against what I believe in. And I, I won't do it. Like, I mean, if that means my, my, my PhD takes a semester longer, that's fine. But that aligns with what I view and believe in as a person. And I'm just like, no, I, I want to do this. It's more work for myself. And that, and I'm okay with that. Like, that's fine because that's a glaring gap on everything we do. And I just, that's, as you guys know, like, that's a big thing I believe in is like demanding better. And like, if I want to lead from the front as a, as a woman in fitness industry and science and research and whatever it is that I do, like, I have to stand for those values of trying to build more bridges between the two sides and living in that middle space and everything that I do. Um, even from, you know, personal life to my academic research, even though it affects the trajectory of my career potentially. Yes. Um, for those of you who aren't um, really involved in the like exercise physiology research community, know that when Alyssa says she's including women in her studies, that it's a big fucking deal. Like most of the studies are 12 men, you know, like that's, that's the typical sample. Um, so to include women is actually a, a big deal. Um, and I've heard you say this before, and I know a lot of you know, you're not the only one, but women are not tiny men, you know, <laughs> that's really important to note with physiology. And I, I know you've shared a lot of the differences between the sexes in terms of physiology and how that relates to exercise. And it's just so important to continue research, um, as well as to develop industry messages that are fit for women that are actually giving you guys a really true sense of what you can do and not just scaling down what works for men, because it's not the same. Yeah. So, you know, that ties back into the demanding better, especially for the women who are the majority of the people who receive my message is that you don't need to just accept everything you've been sold as it. Like, that's it. That's all you get. And that's like where the demanding better comes back in. And like, I want to invite you with like my story and my message and Kate's story and message when we get into the next episode is that you're allowed, like what we're trying to do here is we are not saying we are above you and better than you. And we're going to tell you how we're like saying, no, this is the table. It's really big. We're making a seat join us, come with us, stand next to us, like push up this, this, like this ceiling or break down this wall with us. Like we're trying to create a space for you to feel that you have the confidence to do those things yourself in your life and whatever field you're at, because we don't need only exercise physiologists and exercise psychologists out in this world. We need women who are doing all the messy, dirty middle work in all the different fields in all the stronger voices and areas we're not educated on to be doing this too. That is what I want. I don't care. We don't need a hundred Alyssa's. We don't. I don't like when people put me on a pedestal on the internet, I'm like, fuck that. Like we don't, the world would be fucking shit if there was nothing but Alyssa's in it. Like it would just not be a good functioning or healthy world. But like we need people in other fields doing other things that are just as passionate about creating that middle space in everything you do, because that's when everything gets better, especially especially when it comes to creating more space and voice for underrepresented people, whether that's women or whatever else that you believe in or you work in, whether it's children or like socioeconomic status or race or whatever it is that you believe in and do. Like there's a messy, unanswered, unsatisfied middle to all those things. It's, you know, that goes beyond what we're doing. And we would love for you to share that those stories with us as well. And the people that we're going to invite on here have those viewpoints and stories from all those different areas. And that is, that's what we're trying to do. We want to create a voice for the underrepresented gray space. Yes. If Alyssa wasn't abundantly clear what she was, this is a fucking call to action, okay? If you are out there serving the middle in whatever area of science, industry, community that you are in, uh, DM us at the Messy Middle Podcast on Instagram. 
Um, we can feature stories on our Instagram. We can do a bunch of stuff. We want to share this platform with you. It is not just me and Alyssa here. This is to serve everybody here that is working in those messy middle gray areas opposing black and white messages everywhere. So we know that it's not just us and it's not just the fitness industry. We're so excited to hear the messages that you guys have to share and we're looking forward to hearing from you. So Alyssa, anything that you want to share as a wrap up to how you live in the messy middle uh, before we sign off? I just like, I think what I just said before is that guys, I want you here. I want you listening to these stories. I want you hearing the voices of our guest, of me, of Kate, and how we live our lives and how we view and approach these things. And I want you guys, I said this in the intro, I want you to get uncomfortable and like challenge the way you think and how you feel and like do the hard work yourself and in your communities and in your spaces and what you're doing and giving a, a, a space for dialogue in areas that is just not, it's not there or people are too scared to speak up on. Cause you heard my story. I mean, so much of what I'm doing and like the amazing growth and everything I've had both academically and business personally has come from me just saying, wait, huh? No, 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 no. And like, you can do that. Like that was it. I was just like, hmm. Okay, well, uh, no, like, just no, like, I'm not going to accept this as a status quo. I'm not going to accept this for what it is. Like, uh, this is what I want to do, and I'm going to figure out how to do it in a way that, like, no one else has done it before. Like, okay, so that doesn't mean that it can't be done. And so it's like a, in science, we call it a paradigm shift, and it's all about changing the status quo and creating data and knowledge that goes against what everyone believes to be true. And I want you guys to be doing that in your own lives because if I didn't run ultra marathons and deadlift 300 pounds and you didn't see it on your Instagram feed, you wouldn't believe that it was possible. But because I'm showing you that it is, you suddenly believe that it is, but you can create that truth for yourself, for the people you love and your communities as well by just looking at things and saying that doesn't need to be the way that it is and demanding better and being messy. Hell to the yes. Honestly, you guys, we challenge you. Put those messages under a microscope, magnify what you see, examine it, and ask yourself, is that really what you want to believe? We honestly really challenge you to find those black and white, polarizing, you know, into the spectrum messages with no fault. They don't exist. There's nothing that's going to be all the way at the very end of these extremes that doesn't have some sort of flaw to it. So, message us, tag us, you know, join in on these conversations with these podcasts and we will help find that fault for you if you're having trouble finding it yourself. There's no way that most of these extremes are healthy and sustainable. Maybe we'll give it a half of 1% might be out there that might work (laughs) in the long run. And so that's why we want to change and challenge this narrative and bring us more into the gray, those nuisance, messy conversations that no one else is having. So I also want to thank you guys so much for listening to my story, you know, why I'm here, why I care so much about everything I do. And so again, thank you so much for tuning in. If you love this episode and can't wait for more, please rate, review, subscribe, and of course, download this episode. Your support means so much to us. Remember, we want you to live well, demand better, and and stay stay messy. messy.